Hey mamas, we are back with another episode of Go Ahead Mama. And today we have the amazing Rachel Bolden Kramer here, um, who is going to tell us so much more about her amazing life journey and her new cookbook called My Food Stamps Cookbook, which the title alone has me fully intrigued, Rachel. Um, Say hi to everyone, Rachel. Hi! Yeah. <laughs> so excited! Yeah, we are so excited. It's it's um it's so good to have someone that I have known for a long time on the show. This is great. Rachel and I went to college together, so she's known me um pre kids, which is a hilarious thing to think about. I've known her pre her daughter, um, but you know, as life happens, you drift apart and you just kind of have things going on. So this is going to be a great chance for us to catch up, um, but also to talk more about your cookbook and. And what is it? What is it, Rachel? Is it radical nutrition? What? What term? Yes. Yes. I want to hear more about this. Um, but before we get into that, Rachel, share with our mamas a little bit more about who you are as the person, not so much the author, mother, and doula, awesome that you are, but who is Rachel at her core? Wow, what a great question! I am a woman very committed to peacefulness and prosperity and truly believing in being unlimited Mm. (laughs) in a nutshell. I am very committed to dispelling myths of scarcity and the things that are impossible. Ooh, (laughs) (laughs) that is how you start off an interview, Rachel. (laughs) So, so that is going to tie deeply into um, the purpose behind uh, my food Sam's cookbook. Um, can you can you speak a little bit more to what you have you yourself felt um, limitations? Where where is that coming from? Share a little bit more about uh, being unlimited. Yeah, so actually, I have a really twisting and turning story about growing up poor and then going to Harvard, where we met, and yes. then coming back to essentially coming back to poverty because I didn't get in a, a six-figure job right out of school and navigating uh, basically what resources were available and what needs needed to be met in my family because I'm responsible to my family as well. That was even before I had my own child. So in a nutshell, there's a, I've become a master in many systems that I didn't think I would, I would be utilizing and that I definitely didn't have preparation for as a Harvard graduate. Um, however, I have to say, um, getting through a school and, and really like excelling at a school like Harvard, which is not easy, especially as a first generation, uh, person in my family to attend college, you know, it, it has given me a strength of perseverance that I've been able to, to transfer to many of the obstacles that I've had to navigate since then. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. Well, let's, um, let's crack that nutshell um, because some, some, some things should not be summarized. Some stories need to be told. Um, and I think uh, the interesting thing is that while our, our stories are very different, uh, that, that kind of strength and tenacity of coming from uh, a community that's not primarily represented at the institution that we went to, um, it, it is a struggle and it, there, it does take strength and grit. Um, so, so 
why don't you dive in a little bit more about what, what the journey has looked like for you, you know, start wherever you feel comfortable. I, I mean, the more, the more, the better. Okay. Well, basically I, you know, like, where did I go? Where do I start with this story? You know, I came, uh, I came back from, from school and I came to the Bay area where I grew up. I grew up in San Francisco born and raised. It is a rare occurrence to meet a native out here. <laughs> and um, I, I started, I actually received some funding from Harvard to start a health and wellness program, which I started in Berkeley at a school called Berkeley Technology Academy, which is a continuation school. And I was so inspired to be back home where I'm from with other beautiful women of color who were navigating their lives. And whatever that looked like, um, with school or with starting a family young or avoiding starting a family or dealing with whatever issues face poor people of color, specifically women. And I started teaching yoga with them, but I wasn't certified. I had, I had discovered yoga at Harvard at the Mac during lunch. And and so I started going at age 18 and I never stopped. So I, I, you know, twists and turns and my program was not refunded. I mean, um, not, it wasn't, uh, funded for a second year at the school and things kind of got a little, a little wishy-washy with how I was going to take care of myself and, and afford things. So I went ahead and, uh, I tried, I, I actually attempted to go to, to ed school to continue to work with students, but the path was really expensive. It's going to take a lot of time. I wouldn't be able to work at the school that I had already started working with this young women at. Um, so I actually, the day I was supposed to start at Stanford, <laughs> the, um, teaching credential program, I backed out. It just didn't feel right. I went and got my yoga teaching um, certification, which took uh, almost two years. And I did that through a, a organization specifically working at uh, getting more yoga resources in underserved communities. So I taught in juvenile hall. I taught these young women that I had started teaching my health and wellness program with and I taught basically most of the pilot mindfulness programs that were coming out about five years ago uh, in the Bay Area, and then I was like, you know, <laughs> I could I could run these programs, I could do this on my own. You could because we're we're smart women that went to Harvard. We can do it all, right? <laughs> exactly. Now, in in the meantime, I had a, a great, great, challenging tragedy unfold in my life. And in the aftermath, I was really struggling with post-traumatic stress. And, you know, of course, I was, you know, a savvy woman. So I was, you know, actually very involved in resources for healing and counseling and but what it did that tragedy is just cracked open it it, you know it broke you know they can say like oh you get a broken heart or it breaks you but it really broke me open Mm. and it broke me open in these ways that I was like you know what I need to try and I need to be open to all the possibilities for healing and wellness that are out there discovering and that's really what kicked off my interest in food. Moana is naked. Yes. And Moana is naked. Moana is a doll that we just got, and her clothes are off, and we're going to put them on for her. 
Okay. <laughs> Take as many um, po- family pauses as you need. <laughs> yeah, so I, I was broke open in, in terms of really finding out about self-care. And a lot of it for me had to do with food. So being somebody I was struggling with really intense, acute post-traumatic stress, which is you know, I now have a certificate in counseling, focusing, focus oriented therapy in complex trauma and post-traumatic stress. So now I now understand it from a, um, a macro level, but at the time it was just so hard to navigate having a mental health condition that limited my ability to earn income. So. I really had to be dedicated to the resources that I had. And I did have um, eligibility for food stamps because I was so low income. And I learned that I needed to eliminate certain things in my diet because they were causing more stress um, and, and contributing to my challenges. So... That's not that simple, except that, you know, we're brilliant, bright people. And I started studying with herbalists and I studied with who I now know as radical nutritionists. And I started learning about plant-based diets and juicing and elimination diets. And I went ahead and I certified in a program called Food as Medicine through the Center for Mind-Body Medicine. And that is... It's like an additional nutrition certificate for somebody who's already has a practicing license or a practicing certificate. So I was already practicing as a yoga teacher. So it made sense to also be a nutritionist. So yes, food is medicine. Now how my challenge and why I got so inspired about writing the the food stamps cookbook is literally because I learned how to use a really small amount of money to get the best available foods and resources. I'm going to pause. No worries. You want to watch Moana? I'm going to put Moana on. I can't see it. Now mommy will fix the technology and make it work. Okay. There we go. So let me rewind a little bit. I, I mentioned that I experienced a tragic, tragic event. And part of it, I mean, I could go on and on about that because it was really the root of my healing and really what put me on a course in life that I wasn't anticipating and I hadn't expected and I hadn't prepared for. So coincidentally... At the same time that I was dealing with this, and it was it was violence. Um, I'm from the Bay Area. It's it's California. It's not all about like sunshine and surfing. You know, there's a lot of tough tough situations out here, as you know. Like Oakland, California is the birthplace of the Black Panther Party. So there's been a lot of organizing. There's a lot of poverty and and challenges out here. So at the same time, coincidentally. The, at the same time, coincidentally, a, a classmate of mine from Harvard was also going through just about the same situation. And, um, you know, she was actually in medical school at the time. And uh, we had each other's back in this sisterhood of self-care, of doing yoga together, of eating well. And um, in that time, 
I decided I didn't want to live in the Bay Area anymore. So I, I, <laughs> I moved to Brooklyn where I thought I could get a great start here and not be so triggered by the environment um, where I had experienced such a tragedy. And, it, you know, my friend was in school at Howard in medical school. So, you know, we got to see each other, we got to be close to each other. We really developed like this, this super sisterhood bond of self-care where we were making kale salads together oh. and going to juice bars and, and you're learning ultimate self-care here. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, it was incredible. Like within all these, these tragedies that we experience in life, there's these beautiful gems. So I've grown in this friendship with this other uh, young, well, young woman, <laughs> this other woman <laughs> um, who I met at Harvard too, another black woman grew up in an urban environment as well and you know we've we've continued this relationship of of growth and self-care and support and that's really beautiful so you've you you highlight very well just all of these um like you say the gems that come out of of difficult situations and difficult times i'm curious as we kind of shift into the you know i want to learn more about um rachel the mom as well but i think there's also something to be said about what your experience has been like in becoming a mother uh something that kate and i are always very honest about is that we adore being mothers but it was something that was jolting to us as we um (laughs) began experiencing all of the wonders be it the you know, the stages of pregnancy, be it the, you know, postpartum, um, whatever it is, it was, it was just not as smooth as, uh, you would see on TV all years ago. Right. Um, (laughs) so just curious, you know, um, I like to say, you know, the question is, did, did you choose motherhood or did mother choose motherhood choose you? And, um, what kind of key changes have you seen since becoming a mother? So there's like two questions in there. Okay. Yeah. So, you asked, um, did motherhood choose me or did I choose motherhood? I chose motherhood so hard. Did you? I've been like waiting, <laughs> like at 22 years old, I was like, okay, Harvard degree check, motherhood, let's go. Wow. And <laughs> everyone around me was like, no, you need to have a career first. And I'm like, but I want to have lots of children. So I would oh. like to start as soon as possible. I have this dream of like raising wonderful, wonderful little seeds and having our home school and whatever that was going to look like. But I was really committed to it. So by the time I was 28 and I wasn't in a marriage or a committed partnership, I was just like, you know, I have to set an intention for this to happen. And my mentor, wonderful, wonderful person, uh, a wonderful woman, was like, okay, well, are you okay with single motherhood? I was like, you know, I'm okay. Yeah, like it was not my first choice, um, but I know it's been done, and I know I can I can do that if that's what you know I decide to do. And so I was open. Now the way that I <laughs> I also believe my daughter chose me, mm. which is really. Is a she's a definitely a spirit baby, dream baby of sorts. She's you know I'm I'm mixed with Black, African American, Caribbean, and Eastern European. So I've got, got 
darker features. I have dark hair, dark eyes, brown skin. My daughter is blonde. Mm. <laughs> okay. <laughs> now, when I was younger, like before I was even probably able to have children, when I would, I would dream that I was having a baby and my baby came and it was a blonde white baby. And I was just like baffled. I'm like, how is this possible? Like, this would never happen. I don't even date white guys. Like, you know, well, <laughs> her father is also Caribbean. He's St. Lucian. And, um, she, my daughter is blonde. So this baby that I've been dreaming about my whole life actually appeared. So I not only chose motherhood, I, I believe that my daughter chose me and she chose the time. And she chose the moment and she, and I believe she chose the circumstances, which like you said, definitely jolting. Uh, <laughs> definitely. I mean, I think I got, um, quite an earthquake volcano of circumstances with this one. And I'm wondering, <laughs> I really want, like I said, I like kids. I want to have more. I'm like, what is it going to be like to have another one? Yeah. Um, because. Yeah, she definitely gave me a, or this pregnancy and motherhood gave me an experience that really rocked my world. Um, as I mentioned before, I've been through tragedy, so I, it wasn't new to me, but it really turned my life upside down and shook it all the way out once again. As if, <laughs> like, can it really get shook up anymore? <laughs> oh my gosh. You know, I, I think that's, um, you know, it's funny what you said. Well, not funny. I think it's, it's beautiful what you said about your daughter choosing you. Um, Tiffany Dufu in her, in, in her latest book, Drop the Ball, talks about how her children, um, that, that somehow that's how chill, that's how she related that children are, are angels that choose their parents. And I just thought that was like so beautiful thinking that my little girls, you know, chose me as their mom and it just made it so much more powerful. And, 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 and while it is stressful at times, it is, it's still so beautiful. And I mean, Kate right now is pregnant and we're, we're always talking about how we manage, um, one little person with another one growing inside of you. And it's definitely not easy, but, but you just, it just makes you so impressed and, and so much more respect for the women that have done it time and time again. It's just such a, it's just such a powerful community to be a part of. Rachel, I'm curious then, um, what have been like the key moments of personal change for you as a woman once becoming a mother, good or bad? Personal change? Yeah. As resulting from motherhood? Yeah, because, uh, you know, Kate and I are always talking about the, the, the realities of, um, you know, there's less time and how are we caring for ourselves? How are we preserving the people that we know ourselves to be um, in the midst of being a caretaker. Uh, for, for me, that's a challenge I deal with all the time. That was a huge personal change. And I'm just curious what, if any, were for you. Yeah, well, I definitely experienced a lot of personal change. Now, part of it is not so much. Well, I guess this is motherhood. For me, my journey of motherhood, like I said, I had a wonderful pregnancy. Like I was very healthy and super excited to be pregnant. But the, um, the circumstances were that I was in were that um, about six months into being pregnant, I realized that I was with a not wonderful partner mm. and I had to start getting very strategic. And by the time my daughter was three months old, I was um, I was basically having my friends 
secretly pack my things and so that we could escape <laughs> from my partner without causing too much of a, a potentially dangerous drama. Mm. And then what unfolded, so it was, it was like, I had this dream, you know, of being pregnant and I was going to have this, you know, I actually had a wonderful, completely unmedicated, no interventions, home birth surrounded by black midwives and doulas and, you know, had a very, you know, labor is labor, but my labor was excellent. It It wasn't too long. Like I had a, a birth and my baby was healthy and I was healthy and, um, and then things just went off the off the chain nuts. Um, I had to leave this partner. He was not very happy about that, as we had anticipated. And he actually took me to court for sole custody of the child when I left. Interesting. And yeah, so the the one word that can come to my mind besides extreme panic, but you know. Um, Continue, continue. (laughs) Yeah, so it was extreme. It was extreme panic. It was extreme survival. It was extreme. It was extreme. And I thankfully, you know, what happened, what had to happen is, um, and I talk about this in the food stamps cookbook because it's like, okay, not only did I deal with, you know, being some other issues early on, but after I had a baby, you know, food and and the availability of the food and what I had access to was so important. But, you know, we were literally homeless because we had to leave this partner. And and before we left, he actually had, you know, packed up all our stuff, gave up our apartment. It was it was crazy. I mean, I was cluster feeding, you know, like I couldn't really I couldn't really manage much more than caring for my child. So you know, I ultimately ended up moving back home again to my parents. And, you know, it was really like moment by moment. And I wasn't happy about moving back to the Bay Area. As I had, I had mentioned, it wasn't like, I felt this was my powerful place. I didn't feel like there's the Bay Area, San Francisco was a powerful place for me. But there I was with a newborn and my two parents and thankfully, like my godmother and my friends and, and aunties and cousins and people I could rely on. And my aunt, my, sorry, my godmother was like, you know, you gotta choose to be happy because this first year of motherhood is gonna pass by. And if, and if you are just completely absorbed with this, you know, BS custody battle, which was totally unfounded. And in the end, I don't know if I'd say I won, but like, I have my daughter with me over 90% of the time. Um, you know, <laughs> like the all the allegations that were made against me were just really really unfounded and so, you know, she my godmom was like you've got to choose to be happy. Can I just pause you there, Rachel? Cuz Yeah. I know you've experienced this and you've probably come to terms with it, but I'm like, whoa. <laughs> this is <laughs> crazy cuz I cannot imagine like it's almost as though only now that I have children, do you realize how much of um, the protector role parents play? I mean, parents, I say, you know, mothers, anyone that loves their child in, in that way. And the, and the, and I just feel the, 
I feel a version of the, the small amount of weight that I can feel being outside of your experience. It's just like, that's extremely heavy. And, um, how powerful are you to have, um, come out of that and to be as jovial and upbeat as you are and all of this. But I, the, the thing that really struck me in addition to everything, actually everything you said struck me over and over again. Um, mm-hmm. but it's the choosing to be happy because this first year of life will go by. So there's part of you that's like, yes, was it your grandma? My, my godmother, your godmother. Yeah. And I'm like, wow, that's powerful. But at the same time, I feel like, Oh my gosh, how much weight does that put on the shoulders of someone that's experiencing this? Um, and I don't know. I, I don't want to project, but I, I just feel both of those things very strongly in this moment. I'm like, wow, that's a powerful statement. But at the same time, that's a hard task to achieve. Yes. That's such an insight. That's such an insight to bring up too, because I've got a lot of training in, in trauma and I've got training in Buddhist philosophy and meditation and talking about forgiveness and happiness. And when you're really going through it, you do not want to hear somebody tell you, Oh, but you got to forgive him so that you can, you know, so you can be free. And it's like, no, he ruined my life. You know, like uh, I'm not saying specifically about my child's father, but in other instances, you know, like, yeah, yeah. So it, it's not like it, it, first I have that relationship with Tamika and, you know, I, I know that she wasn't ill intended in what she had to say. She's a mom of three and she's single mom, too. And so I trusted her, her wisdom, you know, and. But yeah, you don't want to tell somebody who's going through it that like, oh, well, you know, it's your responsibility to be happy. But as a mom, I think, and that's what made me a different person. Like the older Rachel would have thrown a tantrum about yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> or the yeah, the younger Rachel. <laughs> and the new mom was like, yeah, like I'm going to enjoy this baby. That's, that you have know? to. We're going to go camping and we're going to go to hot springs and we're going to go. We went to visit our friends with other young babies. You know, we had wonderful birthday parties and like her first birthday was so much fun. And I got to be home with her, even though it was a challenge in itself because I was completely removed from being able to earn income once again because I was navigating so much. You know, I had to go to court and I had to um figure out how to sleep <laughs> every once yeah. in a while. Yeah, sleep yeah. is is a is a, a negotiable topic in in the first year <laughs> of life. Um but you know and I think that's that's a that's a great point even just bringing up the sleep because the the thing I'm hearing understanding kind of what our podcast talks about a lot of time which is self-care it's like Rachel where did the self-care come in for you if it did at all? <laughs> Yeah, self-care is super, super necessary. So by the time Issa was about five months, so I had been with my parents for a couple of months. I had left the, you know, the unhealthy co-creator of my child and I was with my parents and I started going to, I made this initiative that I was going to go to yoga and I'm a yoga teacher, but how was I going to do yoga with a baby? So I really rallied and called upon the support of a few sisters to watch her so I could get to yoga. And I started going a couple days a week and it really, really helped me get back in my body. It helped me, I mean, like, you know, literally like, you know, be able to fit 
back in my body in a way. Like it wasn't like, I was like, I'm not going, it's not like I was like, I need to lose weight, but like the way that I had changed and whatnot, it was really hard, um, you know, with size H boobies to do, (laughs) (laughs) to do the things that I was used to, you know? It did. I didn't. I didn't think that boobies would get to size H. You know, I. You know what? I first of all, H is a big, a, a far letter in the alphabet when it comes <laughs> yeah. to to when it comes to breast size. So yes, I can totally appreciate that you needed to adjust. Yeah. I mean, I couldn't, I could barely like lay down and do Cobra, you know, Cobra poses where you're on your, your belly and your chest is on the ground and your arms are by your side and you're pushing up your chest to extend your back. Like I couldn't even really do that because like my, my back was arched. (laughs) You were constantly in Cobra when you lie on the floor. Yeah. But you know what the the funny thing is, and um, Kate and I are are scheduled to talk about kind of like our our single mom experiences and kind of like what how that how that um it made us evolve and how that how that created us as mothers ourselves. But one of the things that I think you've said that is so huge that I see my that I didn't see my mom do and that I struggle with my sister who's also a single mom and all you know a lot of my family members the women are are single moms and it's that they just don't take the time for themselves you know um I do a piss poor job of it and I'm you know I have a partner but I think it's you know how did you did was that something that you just knew within yourself that you needed to do or is it something that was encouraged by your community well, it's something I knew I needed to do, which was get to yoga practice as a yoga teacher. I mean, you can't even really call yourself a yoga teacher if you're not practicing. I mean, it's kind of like the ethics of it. Yeah. So I knew I needed to practice and I was, you know, years and years of training is like you practice yoga every day. So I knew I needed to do that. I also knew that I needed, I just needed to be alone in my body. You know, I'm very committed. I was very committed to exclusively breastfeeding. Um, but that can get really frustrating to, mm. to have somebody on you all the time. Girl, that's where I am right now. i know i mean my i have a three-year-old and she's not she's not weaned it's not like she nurses like a like a newborn but uh you know needing to be alone in my body was an experience that i really craved and eating well and um finding ways to have energy was also really important to me. And as I understand, as a cookbook author and a nutritionist and a yoga teacher, those things aren't mutually exclusive. They all go together. So there's, you know, I can go on and on, you know, because I love talking about radical nutrition and timing and combining your food, but like when to eat and what to eat, especially if you're going to start practicing yoga or doing some type of workout, it does play a role. So having, you know, being able to get into a, a routine again, of course, as a mother's much, much looser, yeah. <laughs> much, much more forgiving of the, you know, of the modifications. But having that was really key in me feeling like myself again. And I really did not feel like I was under all this skin and body and, and nursing tanks until I was about eight months postpartum. And I started to get a glimpse, a glimmer of like, oh yeah, like I'm here, you know, 
I can put the baby down and like yeah. I can <laughs> I can order a latte. Oh my gosh. <laughs> you know um, duh, yeah, you're just yeah, you're right. You are you're speaking facts here. Rachel, I am curious then as women who are mothers um and are trying to keep a balance of self all the moms on our pod that are listening right now, they know that nutrition is important. But can you give us, you know, give us a little bit more insight into like the direction of, you know, someone that's a new mom? Like, what advice do you give to someone that says they don't really have the time? And quite frankly, for a lot of women don't have the, you know, resources to be healthy. Isn't that kind of like the dialogue I'm sure you hear is like, it's too yes. consuming and it's too expensive. Yeah, so that's why I wrote my Food Stamps Cookbook, which also talks about resources like WIC, because I do think everybody does have the resources. Like I did, like I said in the beginning, I love taking on the myth of scarcity, not enough time, not enough resources, not enough money, not enough um, coconuts or kale or whatever <laughs> it is that you really like and enjoy. Like I love fresh coconuts. So, um, <laughs> but there are so many ways to overcome that experience. And a lot of it is having a breakthrough around scarcity. And that's going to look different for everybody. But practical skills or practical approaches I can share personally is that I had a postpartum doula. And that was really important for me. And um, doulas, postpartum doulas can be pricey. But there's plenty of folks out there that you can afford, especially if they just started working I had a woman who I bartered with who was providing prepared meals in the very early days. And that was a lifesaver. So I had three meals a day in the fridge most of the week. And they were healthy and affordable. Like I said, I, you know, we set up an exchange. And then, you know, once I could get more sort of grounded, Making smoothies is such an easy and cheap and fast way to get a blast of nutrition that I have a whole re- a whole chapter of recipes. And prior to the launch of the Kickstarter, we were giving away, and I think you can still get it on the website, the Essential Mama Smoothies. And they're sweet and they're delicious and they're made with great ingredients and they're super fast and they give you a boost of energy and a real they just feel really encouraging to me because I could make it blend it blend a big one so there's a few in the fridge throughout the day so you know no matter what you're what's happening when I start feeling low I just grab I just grab a mama smoothie it's a super <laughs> mama smoothie I love the name and clearly you're going to have to um get that recipe and, and share it if it is, if it's still available so that our moms yeah. can get a, can get a taste of what is in the, my food stamps cookbook. And I think, um, you know, I just wanted to also make sure everyone knew that the cool thing is that you're setting it up as a Kickstarter, um, kind of getting that community involvement before your lunch. So how much, you know, as of, as of today, we're recording, um, May 4th, how far away are you? How long do you have? Tell us a little bit more about the Kickstarter and and anything else you want to mention about the book that maybe we haven't chatted about yet. Yeah. So the Kickstarter is live currently. It's um, My Food Stamps Cookbook, 
on Kickstarter, or you can go to myfoodstampscookbook.com and click on free gift, which will give you the free mama smoothies. It's still up there. Just check. The Kickstarter started on May, or it ends on May 25th. So we need to raise $25,000 by May 25th. And I talk about it. There's a cute little video up there. Issa's in the video. We're in the kitchen mm-hmm. making some of our favorite stuff. And we've raised about 6000 almost $7,000. So we're about 25%, 27% funded. We really need to get, it's an all or nothing goal. We really need to get to 25000 And it, basically, it's a pre-order of the book. So if you pledge, you can pledge as a donation. We're also seeking ballers for matching grants because <laughs> this is more than just a book. It's a career it's a it's a job opportunity. So once we have the funding, we'll be at we'll be delivering workshops. We've already built into the funding twenty free workshops in the community, especially serving low income folks, people of color, and mamas, which is the community that I'm really dialed into as a doula and as a doula of color. I work with people who couldn't necessarily afford a doula service. So, you know, this book is really, and we're giving away once we fund, it gives us the ability to give away copies of the book. So people who have the ability and who are not going to, who are not going to believe the myth of scarcity can order the book for themselves. And the, even if you don't get food stamps, it is a book about eating radically. There's a whole, there's a whole path and guideline throughout your day to eat for optimal energy. And, and that's radical nutrition. It's not just like, well, eat a bunch of vegetables and like eat more salads. It's like, actually, here's what you should do first thing in the day to get your digestive system ready to be full of energy. And here's what you can do to reduce inflammation. And we know why that, why is that important? It's because inflammation is really the precursor of most of the dis-ease that we experience, whether it's PMS, whether it's depression, whether it's diabetes, eczema, all those things are systemic inflammatory conditions. So the book is created for anybody especially someone who doesn't have a degree in nutrition to reduce harm in their diet by following our, this outline. So it's, it, of course, I love to be provocative. So it's called my food stamps cookbook because let's, you know, let's raise awareness around this, this resource called food stamps that a lot of people get more than you would imagine. Mm-hmm. And let's use, let's use these food stamps to buy high or buy quality stuff, buy high quality stuff. It doesn't mean that you have to eat cheap, low quality things that are basically full of industrial cement because they can sit on a a shelf in a bodega for years and not decay. We can actually buy fresh things. We can multiply the power of food stamps using various different approaches and organizations and we can heal our bodies we can heal our children, we can heal the planet. And so you must please get get online and go to Kickstarter and we're going to give you that link um, that you can use and you can send um, to your listeners and order the book. It's only $11 right now. So it's like super, it's a super resource. There's hundreds of recipes and 
There's a ton of recipes. I've reached out to like other baby mamas in the community, single moms, baby mamas, however you want to call it, and I found out about their recipes too. Mm, so it's 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 connecting. It's a community engagement tool. It's a resource for um uh to keep financial resources um within check, and it's also just doing the radical um the radical nutrition to kind of do the healing and and all of that as well. I mean, so it's it seems to be something that will be super helpful to so many people, Rachel. Um so so impressed and proud of you for doing this. And you know, we just we we just got to ask you one other question. So you are single momming it up. You are being fabulous about sharing the ideas of radical nutrition. Um, I saw you on camera. You're looking great. Um, how are you, how are you maintaining a sense of self through all of this? I mean, now you're a mom, you're a doula, you're a yoga instructor, you're, you're an author. Um, how, how's that maintaining self going for you in the midst of all this? (laughs) Yeah, it's really wonderful. I've had, I've had a lot of challenges and I've had a lot of victories or a few big victories. So the sense of self is definitely something that I have to work at and practice at because it was really easy for me to look at my circumstances and be like, I'm a failure. Mm. Um, I didn't strike it rich out of Harvard. I, you know, I, I became disabled, not by my own fault. And in the time when I was supposed to be, earning money, like, you know, my twenties and had all this energy. I was healing and really trying to get together. But in, in, like I said, there's gems within everything. So just remembering, well, in that time that I was, I was nationally, like federally recognized as a disabled person, I opened a yoga studio in Brooklyn. And in the time that I, you know, left a unhealthy relationship and moved home with my parents. Well, I actually saved my parents' home from foreclosure because they they did not understand what was going on. And and then I learned that you know I was like we can go on and on, but like I learned about I really learned about investments and real estate, and I bought a house. And and you know it wasn't like oh my god, well now I've made it and everything's great. I still was sitting there looking at my circumstances like what have I done? Like, this is so wrong. But I had an incredible breakthrough thanks to continuing like practicing and working and having mentors and having support. And I realized that I'm unstoppable. Mm -hmm. And so living with that and practicing and reminding myself, even when it's like, oh my God, I've got like six projects going on. How am I going to do it and raise my child? It's like, because I'm unstoppable because there's nothing (laughs) that can get in my way after after overcoming what I have. And it's all about the obstacles in our life that bring us closer and closer to what we truly desire and, and, and open us to being the channels of prosperity and greatness and limitlessness that we really were born to be. Woo. Well, Rachel, (laughs) I just want to say I am, I am, encouraged and empowered and energized by you. You are totally unstoppable. And I believe myself to be unstoppable because I've spoken to you today. And um, 
Yay! Yay! And you are truly a gem, and I'm I'm so thankful that you've done this because it's reconnected us. And I will be sharing everything uh, about my food stamps cookbook with our when we post this on our blog and on my personal channels as well because it's important and it's valuable. And I'm so glad you did it. So yes, thank you so much for your time, Rachel. And um, mamas, we'll be sure to give you all of the information. Um, Rachel, you want to tell them where they can find you on all of the social in- social media outlets? Yeah. First, let me let folks know if you're in the Bay Area, May 20th at o- Oakland Veg Fest. I am a speaker on May 20th. That's the final five days of the campaign. So we're hoping for a big success. And thank you for these, um, for this publicity, Danielle, because it really makes a difference. You can find more about me on Instagram. So my, one of my favorite places to post is baby mama, Rachel. So that's B A B Y M O M M A. R-A-C-H-E-L, Baby Mama Rachel. You can also find me under my government name on Facebook. That's (laughs) Rachel Bolden Kramer. (laughs) I'm hyphenated. And the all the links to the Kickstarter are right there in the uh in the Instagram bio. And if you search for my food stamps cookbook on Kickstarter, you will find it. We also have a link that should be up with this podcast as well. So give a, uh, and also myfoodstampscookbook.com, of course. Uh, you can get your free gift and that will get link you into all the updates on the campaign. I cannot wait to try my Super Mama smoothie. It's going to be Yay. great. It's going to be great. <laughs> you got to have it. Hey mamas, did you like the show? We hope you did. And if you did, please go to Apple Podcasts right now and give us a five-star review and give us a like on Facebook or follow us on Twitter, all at Go Ahead Mama. Check out our website, www.goheadmama.com for all the things that we're thinking in our head but haven't said in our podcast. And if there's anything that we can be doing better or topics that you'd like to hear, give us an email at letstalkmamacita at gmail.com. We can't wait to hear from you, mamas. Love yourself.